I was caught red-handed this week. I was at my house, and I was starting to put up the Christmas lights. And I thought, I thought I'd get a gas from all of you. <gasps> I thought there would be a gas. He's going to put up Christmas lights. And uh, I don't really think anything of it. I, it. It brings joy to my, it's brought joy to my, my neighborhood, my kids, and, and uh, now my grandchildren enjoy Christmas lights, and it's a big deal for, for Linda. So I don't really think much about it. But then what I noticed is one of our, our Spanish members was working at my neighbor's house. And he saw me and came over, oh, pastor, how are you doing? And, and he says, is this your house? And I go, yeah, it's my house. And he goes, are, are, you, are you putting on Christmas lights? I go, yeah, I'm putting on Christmas lights. And he goes, oh. And then he, then he starts just opening up his heart to me about how conflicted of a topic this is. You know, that I guess, it, it, you know, he, it's divided them in terms of the Christmas tree and the church and the, and the Christmas lights and, and all of this stuff. And he went on and on about, you know, what do you think about this, Pastor? And I was like, well, obviously I'm putting Christmas lights on my house. <laughs> you know, <laughs> brought up this whole conversation about how he was saying, oh, I don't know. He said, it's, it's so tough, you know, trying to, because people, they see you have a Christmas tree or something like that. And, and, uh, and it's just kind of, uh, so conflicted over just the whole Christmas environment and everything that that Christmas uh, involves, and and he, you know, we had a good end of the conversation, and 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 it kind of made me start thinking to myself, you know, I and I told him this, I said, you know, at least one thing, and then he said part of it, and I get this all the time, people will tell me, well, you know, Jesus wasn't born December twenty five, and then, you know, we have so much information today that everybody knows everything about anything. And and they will also have it all from, they'll have it right there. I mean, they'll, you know, boom, I can show you right now, you know, what, and, and, and it's strange because everybody pretty much believes what's on the internet. I, I don't know. I've even caught myself doing that. And I thought to myself, you know, I like to shop online, but some, but I started reading about how some of those people online aren't legitimate companies and you can get taken for, you know, some of those. And I thought, oh yeah, that's right. I guess the internet, not everybody's honest on the internet. I don't know, if, you know, we kind of just think of it in terms of technology, and we're all kind of wowed by it, you know, and we think anything we find on there, uh, we don't really question, you know, it, it must be what it is, and I think it's something that we have to be be aware of, that it's not it's not always our best friend. But but in that in that conversation, I said, well, you know, that may be true. It may be true that Jesus wasn't born in December, and, and all this stuff, you know, that, that you're saying, but there is one thing that is true. Whether people believe in Jesus or not, they are still, their attention is still drawn to the subject. At this time of year, based on any other year, and it's universal. You know, it's all, it's all countries, all people everywhere who look at this one universal event. Whether they believe in Jesus or who Jesus was or any of those kind of things, they still have their attention drawn to Jesus. Even, even, no, even if there's all kinds of shopping and everything going on, people still have to, what is, is Christmas? And it all down to the bottom, Christ is Christmas. You know, one of the things is, and I don't know what, what it takes for God to get our attention, 
I mean, I think, I think for, the, for people even to have just a little glimmer of attention, I, in my neighborhood, it's so good to have my Christmas lights up because my neighborhood this time of year is a dark place. Where I live is a dark neighborhood. And, uh, and I just mean literally dark. There's not very many street lights. There, there needs to be more street lights in my neighborhood. But it's kind of nice to see neighbors who actually put up their lights and you, it just kind of adds, you know, kind of takes from the darkness. And brings this light, you know, to, 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 the, to the place, to the neighborhood. And I think Christmas is at least an attempt to bring light to the darkness. It is what, it is what Jesus was doing. I, that's why I like the story in Luke. You know, Cedric had, had mentioned that this is, this is a, a well-known story, you know, when, when he had read this. And it's true. It's so well-known that we almost don't even pay attention to it. You know what I mean? We, we, don't, we don't pay attention to the story. And I, I almost wonder if... If, if, what would it take for God to get our attention? Because tension is good, by the way. Matter of fact, they're telling us that for good relationships, for good relationships to happen, you need to be able to pay attention. You need to have the opportunity because people understand. Have you ever been with somebody that, uh, you know, nowadays, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm questionable of our attention span today because I'm not sure. We have the ability to pay attention for very long. And, and it's because we have so many things that distract us. For instance, you know, if you go to dinner with somebody and they bring their cell phone. And, and my daughter's this way. Every, and I, it's my own fault because I, I got her the phone. But, I mean, she, she, she is doing all this stuff ever since, ever since we got her the phone. All this stuff. All the time, you'd be sitting there, she's like, oh, no, don't worry, I, I, can still, I can still talk to you, I can still pay attention to you, you know, and, and, she's, and she's just constantly doing this, whenever, whenever, no matter what she's doing, that, that's her life, that's, her, that's her, her part. And then I, I just tell her, but did you hear what I just said? I want, I want you just to kind of take a moment and do away with that and just concentrate on the moment. Just, just, just find the beauty of being in the moment, right where you are, not someplace else, not who knows wherever, but, but in the moment. And I really do believe that that's what God was trying to do in terms of the birth of Jesus. You know, he had prophecies, he had stories, he had all kinds of things lined up there that was trying to tell, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And then you go to Luke, and I love the story in Luke because Luke just doesn't get right into the birth of Jesus. He, he has all this, 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 this buildup to, to the birth of Jesus, almost as if nobody's paying attention, but he's saying there was a whole lot of stuff going on before Jesus came that if you wanted to pay attention, you could have. I mean, it's kind of a surprise, and I, I, I think Luke, when he's writing this story, He's kind of saying the same thing. Why wasn't anybody paying attention to Jesus? Why is it that he's kind of... I mean, they don't even have... You know, if you thought that Jesus was coming to your town, wouldn't you set a room aside for him? And they told him that he was going to be... I mean, they told him where he's going to be born, all this kind of stuff. But even when Jesus is at the point where birth is, there's not even any room. And this isn't... Some, somebody made this up for a play. This is what the Bible says. That's the Bible story that basically says Jesus, you know, Joseph and Mary came and she was, she was with child and nobody cared. 
you would think somebody would at least care that a that a that a, a young couple with their wife on a donkey pregnant that somebody would care about that even if they don't know that it's Jesus <laughs> that's going to be born but they would actually care enough but they only care enough to say oh yeah why don't you just have your oh i know you're pregnant oh, we got a we got a you can be out there with the cows now i don't know what your view of a manger in Jesus's day is i almost think we think it's like a dairy barn that's been cleaned that somehow everything in there, those are, those are animals that don't have manure. You know, the, those are animals, those are saintly kind of animals that are in there. You know, it's kind of how we, how we view this, this picture of Jesus. Somehow, that's the way it was supposed to be. You know, and, and so they got the manger all set up and cleaned up for Jesus. I have a feeling that it wasn't cleaned up. They're tired. They've been on this journey. It, the, all they can do is just lay their heads down and sleep. Seems to care. I love the fact that, that you know, Christ's birth is announced. And, and even, even to the point where, you know, uh, John's birth becomes kind of the precursor to Jesus' birth. And even the, the stories of how this is going to happen. If you look at Luke chapter 1, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Wow, do you see the close connection there? And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Did you catch that? They're blameless. These people are blameless. They're righteous before God. They walk in all the commandments. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they both were well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Hey, what would you guys think about us burning incense in church? That's what I thought. <laughs> I figured there'd be somebody who said, that's not a good idea. But I always thought it was kind of a neat thing. Because it adds to your senses one more kind of thing to pay attention to. Now, if you, uh, I don't know, Fred, if you had a chance when you're over there in Jerusalem to go to any of the, any of the, the chapels there. But it's so funny because incense is so thick there that you can hardly breathe. And that's because one, one priest's incense is better than the other priest's incense. And, and, the, and the thought is, they're okay opening these places for people like us to come into, like Gentiles, to visit and to see. But the problem is, we taint the place. We make the place kind of unholy. So they've got to come in with their incense behind us. And so the priest is basically, he's making the place holy with the incense. And he comes through there, so there'll be a tour group that comes through, and you come, you come through, and then behind that is a priest, and he's doing the incense, because he's, you know, got to keep this place holy. Well, behind him's another priest, because his incense isn't doing the trick of the other priest that does the incense, and so it's just like this big incense place. But I will tell you this, you remember it. 
You know, that, that it's, it's, like, it's like that incense is on your clothes and you leave the place. You're, it's still with you. There's still this sense of that even though they thought you were unholy, you still have this sense that you were in a place where Jesus was. Is that something? And so he's just doing the same thing. He's doing this incense thing. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Here the angel is. Now, you know, we hear about angels in the story, but we really don't pay attention to this story beforehand. The, the, the trying to get our attention. Trying to get our attention to let us know there is something grand that is about to take place. And he brings it to somebody who understands the commandments, who are blameless before God. Who's doing the incense through an angel. I would love to have an experience with an angel, wouldn't you? I would think that would be so cool. I've got so many questions to ask my angel. You know, if I could... Maybe if we burn incense, do you think an angel will show up? Maybe only by myself. I don't know. You know kind of thing. But that would be something, wouldn't it? If you're, if you're like Zacharias and you've done this your whole life, I mean, you're advanced in years, you have been working, you've done this every day, this incense thing. This is your life. And all of a sudden, boom, here's an angel. I think that would get your attention, wouldn't it? It would definitely get my attention. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. And that's probably what, you know, I'm thinking, I want to see an angel, but maybe not. You know, maybe a scary thing. When you see an angel, so, oh, no, so what have I done now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, ah, I was, I was good before. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. See, there's one thing about this. This is why I like Christmas lights. I, I don't know what the whole controversy is, you know, in terms of the, the pagan connections and all this kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you that as Christians, if there's anything that we need to be known for, it is people of joy. Because everything that comes around us in terms of Jesus is about joy. Joy and gladness. It's about rejoicing. I don't know how we've gotten into kind of the gloom and doom kind of approach of who we are as a people. I, 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 don't, I don't understand that. But maybe it's just because it's human nature. Maybe it's just human nature that kind of draws us into the negative and that makes us see everything in a, in a negative light. Because it's what happens with Zacharias. The angel says, you're going to have joy and gladness and rejoicing, and you're going to have a child. And he's not even talking about the birth of Jesus yet. This is the birth of John. And John is, that, is, is the one who's going to pave the way for Jesus. I don't know what your picture is of John the Baptist, but... I, what kind, of, what kind of guy do you think he is? You think he's kind of a pretty, like, uh, repent, repent. In, in sackcloth and eating locusts kind of guy. You know, it's just funny how our picture kind of paints him. What could John the Baptist in our minds be a happy guy eating locusts who had a great childhood, 
You know, who knew that he was to do a special thing for the Lord. I mean, he was the special guy for the Lord. You know, he, he, he was going to do this, 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 you know, pave the way, letting people know about Jesus coming. Have you ever thought of John the Baptist in that way? Or even Jesus. Have you ever thought of Jesus? Everybody quotes to me the shortest text in the Bible, Jesus wept. As if that's what Jesus did all the time. No, remember, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. It's like that one part that says when Jesus weeps, it's a, it's a sad day. But for the most part, he's, a, he's actually enjoying life. He's glad he's, he's here. Cells are trying to get people wake, you know, wake them up. But then Zacharias, she says, you know, it'll be great. You know, this is, what, this is how you raise him. He's going to turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. See, that's the key. John was sent here to turn the people to the Lord. We want to direct people to God. We want people to know who the Lord is. We want people to see Jesus. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. See, see, here's the thing. Prepared people for the Lord are not gloomy people. These are people that actually are anticipating the Lord to come. They got a smile on their face. They are rejoicing in the fact that they even have the opportunity to witness Jesus coming, to be in Jesus' place. I know you guys aren't even believing me. I can tell by looking at you. You're like, I'm not so sure. It's a pretty rough time when Jesus is coming. But see, that's the beauty of this. Even when Jesus comes, John the Baptist, he sends John. Why does he send John the Baptist? He tells you to turn the children back to their fathers, to make everything right. To restore relationships. Does God have to do that? No. It's part of his program. It's what he does. The only people that I know of that when the Lord comes that are really doom and gloom are the people that don't want to see him. They don't want to see him. So what do they do? They run to the hills and cry out for the rocks to come down on them. Oh, oh, this is how it is. Zacharias says to the angel, How shall I know this? Poor Zacharias. He just got he just won the lottery and he doesn't even know it. How can I know this? For I am an old man. And he doesn't call his wife old. He says she is advanced in years. That's what he says. I didn't make that up. You can look at it right here. I didn't. You know, I am an old man. And my wife is well advanced in years. That's what he says. How can I 
know this. This is good stuff, Angel. Thank you for sharing. I, I'm glad you brought you got you. I, I'm glad angels are positive people. So Zachary, but you know what? I can see how this can. I can actually have joy and gladness, and we can have a child because I'm an old man. Oh, and I do want to clarify something here because Cedric brought this up. I appreciate him being honest with me. He says, I, I said one time that old people are cynical. I do not believe that in some ways. I think old people can become cynical. I think young people can become cynical. But I think also, well in advance of years, sometimes as Zacharias, we kind of think we're done. And we could be just starting to live. That's what the angel, an angel doesn't care what their age is. Angel, you know, that's not a problem. What's the, where's the problem? But if you, if I did, I, I want you to know and clarify that I don't think all old people are cynical. Just so you know. Well, and I have to be honest with you. The reason I bring that up, I shared it with him is because one of my professors, one of his advice to us as young pastors was, your tendency is going to be to become cynical as pastors. Just beware. And I have to say, I did not follow his advice. I became cynical. You know, you, you, you get beat up enough. You, go, you, you, start meeting, you start meeting Christian people that are angry with everybody around them. And they're angry at their pastor. They're angry at anybody and everybody. They are, uh, they are actually, in many ways, just plain evil. Doesn't that make sense? Christian people can be evil, but I've seen it. And I became cynical. Because I didn't, I just like, this is not what I bought into as a pastor. I thought everybody would be happy. They're not. That's the beauty of being a pastor because that's the message I want to share is that's where God wants us to be. He wants us to be people who are filled with joy and with gladness. He wants us not to be mad at our neighbor because he put up Christmas lights and has a Christmas tree. He wants us to experience the joy with him. And I think that maybe in today's society the way we are this is a, this is a stronger message for us as christians than maybe ever before because somehow we think we have the right to be mean to people to certain groups of people and the reality of it is god never gave us that right he wants us to turn the people to the lord not turn them away from the lord he wants us to be able to be inviting people, contagious people of joy and gladness and goodness. But then the problem comes is I don't see how it can be done. It can't happen. Even when I have an angel telling me it can't happen, I can tell the angel it can't happen. But behold, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. I'm not just any old angel. I'm the angel of angels. Do you realize who's come to talk to you today? I'm Gabriel. I'm the trumpet blowing angel. I'm the angel that comes first and foremost of everybody. 
And, and, and Zacharias, you are a blameless guy. You know the commandments. You, have to, you don't even recognize who I am and what I'm saying. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Wow, he didn't just get any old angel. He got, he got the angel of angels. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you these, what does your Bible say? Bring you these. Okay, let's, all, let's try this. This is an exercise. Just, just repeat after me. I came here to bring you these glad tidings. We're not even talking about the birth of Jesus yet. We're talking about John. But you remember some other glad tidings? I bring you glad tidings of joy. That was actually in Luke as well that got to the point where, the, where the, the universe was saying, nobody's paying attention. It's awful dark down here. Maybe you ought to go share it with everybody else too. Well, who should we start with? Why don't you start with those shepherds down there? They look kind of bored. And they brought one angel. And they got so excited. See, the angels are so excited about the birth of Jesus. They're more excited than we are about it. This one angel, they brought a whole bunch of and they shouted out the, the, the glad tidings of good joy. See, the thing is, the rest of the universe gets it. They get what a great opportunity we have. And we have been given through the fact that Jesus came to visit. And he started it out with the visit of John to try and get our attention. He sends down Gabriel. His right-hand angel, he's like, hey, go talk to him. Just go talk to Zacharias, would you? Okay, then. You don't want to admit that I can do this? You don't want to admit that God can do whatever he says he's going to do? Then I'll tell you what, Zacharias. I'm going to make you mute. You're not going to be able to say anything to anybody. Behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. How does a blameless guy not believe? How does a guy that keeps all the commandments not believe? Well, it happens. And aren't you glad that Gabriel doesn't just strike us down when we don't believe? He says, you know what kind of angel I am? That story could have been totally different, right? That story could have, okay, I'm going to go find me another priest. I'm going to go find me a believing priest. I thought you were blameless. I thought you were a commandment-keeping priest. No, I'm going to go. But he doesn't do that. He says, I'll tell you what. You just don't have to talk till it happens. And you try to explain it to people. But behold, you will be mute. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. You know what? He saw more than a vision. He saw an actual angel. He not only saw an actual angel, he saw the actual angel Gabriel. It was not a vision. The actual angel was there. 
in his presence, in that temple, in that place. And how do I know that? Because he was mute. A vision won't make you mute. But the angel can. He leaves that place. The people waited for Zacharias. And so it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And you know what she did? She hid herself for five months. Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. She, neither one of them knew how to explain it. It was a pure miracle. It was a miracle in every way. There's no way they could say, oh, this is us. This is what we did. This is what we planned. No, it was a miracle in every way. The birth of Jesus. Then you go right to there, when, when, what, that, what we read earlier, what Cedric read earlier. Says to a virgin, this is, this is the Jesus. He is the one. His kingdom will last forever. He is our deliverer. See, I, I love this. Sometimes I think we look at these stories and we just kind of think they're stories. But these are realities. These, this, we're, we're talking about a, a Jesus who actually was born here. Who actually went through. And that's why Luke is so, so specific in his detail and everything that's here. Because he wants us to know... Pay attention to who Jesus is. Give Jesus a moment of your time. Concentrate on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Because he will bring you joy and gladness and comfort and peace and forgiveness. Everything he says he can do. Even before he is born. But nobody seems to pay any attention. That's why I think Luke finally gets to this part of when Christ is born. And the angel says in Luke 2, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That was an actual declaration from the angels. Some director didn't write it up. Some movie guy didn't write it up. This was the angels declaring in the heavenly prose. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Can you imagine going from a dark neighborhood to one that looks like brighter than day? Because the host of the heavenlies have come to that field to proclaim the greatest news that has ever been shared with the universe since or ever will be. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it says that those guys said, hey, what should we do now? And they said with haste, They went to find Jesus. See, I love that part. Because once you've seen the glory, once you see what it is that heaven wants to do for us, 
to bring us that, that great joy. The angel said to them, to the shepherds, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. I bring you great tidings. I, I, I mean, basically, he says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. There can't be a better message than that. And I don't care if Jesus was born in December or April or whenever. I'm saying, let's preach it every month of the year. Let us get a picture of the glory of what God wants. Let us get a picture. Let's pay attention to what he's saying. What he's saying is you and I have an opportunity to be delivered from this sinful world. Not only be delivered from this sinful world, but we will be delivered from sin for eternity. Because as the angel said to Mary, his kingdom will last forever.